The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. Thank you so much for joining me today. I have a special guest today, Kimberly Seals Allers. And before I introduce her to you, I'd just like to have one important announcement. For those who listened to our February 17th show, sponsored by Sarah Wells Bags, you know that our wonderful sponsor, Sarah Wells Bags, is giving away one of her beautiful pump bags valued at $150 to one lucky winner, lucky listener, who commented on our Facebook. We had a great turnout, by the way. And the winner of the Sarah Wells bag is, drum roll, the winner is Rosa Bazzani. Congratulations to Rosa Bazzani. Yes, Rosa, if you're out there and if you're excited, you got a reason to be. Someone from my office will contact you via Facebook to get your your uh, mailing information. Now, if you're one of those people who's listening and you did not win, don't worry. You've still got a chance to get a great bag. Just go to www.sarahwellsbags.com to order your bag. I'll repeat that, ladies. It's www.sarahwellsbags to order your bag. And that is S-A-R-A-H-W-E-L-L-S-B-A-G-S.com. So that's my housekeeping for tonight. And now I am thrilled to have with me tonight Kimberly Seals Allers as my guest. Kimberly Hi. is a <laughs> Hi to Kimberly. Thank you so much for joining us. Kimberly is an author, award-winning journalist, and popular commentator on motherhood and breastfeeding in the African American community. Now, many of you know her from her very successful series and blog and the Mocha Manual. I have the Mocha Manual actually right under my fingertips. It is a fairly good-sized book. I'm guessing at least an inch, inch and a half or so. And today, with Kimberly, we'll be discussing cultural norms, particular challenges, and some ways of supporting all women, and especially African-American women. So, Kimberly, thank you so much. Welcome to Born to be Breastfed. Thank you so much for having me. Now, I also want to tell our audience that on today's show, Kimberly will be taking calls during the second half of the show. 
It will be right around the, um, uh, well, for me, it's 6.30. For those of you on the, the other coast, it, in other words, it's half past the hour, everybody. And he, I'm going to give you a number that you can call if you'd like to speak with Kimberly directly. It's 866-472-5792. I will repeat that number, 866 866- Four seven two five seven nine two. So if you have a question for Kimberly, please call in. In the meanwhile, I have a whole boatload of questions for Kimberly. <laughs> Kimberly, uh, let's start out just a little bit by talking about culture. One of the things that you have said, at least that I have heard you say, is that the discussion about breastfeeding is really needs to be a discussion that is bigger than just one individual. It really needs to be a discussion about community. Can you pick up on that for us, please? Sure, sure. I think this is a really important point because, you know, um, I spend a lot of time online and on the blogs and in, in the parenting space online, and you can see mothers are really getting defensive, you know, the so-called mommy wars. Mothers are duking it out, formula feeders <laughs> versus breastfeeders, and it's all unnecessary and very sad. But I think what's happening is that women feel so burdened. I mean, so much is being asked of women at this time. If you look at any news magazine around how many women are now primary breadwinners. There's a lot on women's shoulders. And so when they are faced with the idea of being solely responsible for feeding their child, given the barriers that exist in our society, it sometimes seems like too much. And so we really have to move this message off a woman's shoulders, I believe, and really broaden that because often if you ask a woman why she didn't breastfeed or why she didn't reach her own personal breastfeeding goals, it's usually not about her. She may mention work. She may mention an unsupportive family member. She may mention, you know, she was nervous about being in public. And so it's all these other things that are keeping women from meeting their goals. And so if we take this message and say, listen, it's not just about the woman, She's not going to do it if she's not supported, and that we have to ask the community to be responsible for the health of their youngest residents. And so let's get this message a bit broader. Stop speaking only to women because we know that she can't do it alone, and let's get some other people involved who have a real stake in that infant's future. And so what you're saying is that even though the woman herself may have a will and a very strong will, she still lives in that community. And the community is very influential negatively, and it certainly could be very influential positively. Absolutely. And, you know, what's so key about that is we know that the hospital is ground zero, right? And so a woman, we, we, we want her to have a great opportunity, a great experience at the hospital. But for most women in this country, the hospital is two, is a two to three day stay at most. So the majority of her breastfeeding journey is going to happen where? In her community, where she lives, where she eats, where she works, where she plays, where she worships. So it's that environment that we really have to make sure is also supportive because if not, she She's just leaving the hospital to walk into what I call a first food desert, which is a community oh. that has no support for the first food. Tell us more about that. Before, actually, before you say that, let me just chime in and say that as you and many of our listeners know, I was a hospital nurse for many, many years. And honestly, I guess I thought that on the third or fourth day, the the, the babies went to boarding school somewhere or something. You know, I, I really did not have a full appreciation for the fact that they do go back into those communities and 
I don't know that as a hospital nurse, I really got that. Now, I do get that. But as a hospital nurse, I'm not sure that you, at least I speak for myself here, didn't fully get that. Talk to us more about that food desert. Well, the, you know, the idea of a first food desert, well, first of all, we know about food deserts, right? It's becoming a more acceptable um, and known concept in our culture. The First Lady has spoken about it. And really, food deserts are areas where people cannot access healthy fruits and vegetables. And I find that this is an extremely strong parallel for, for the breastfeeding work because what people realized was an overly simplistic message of eat well and exercise didn't really work because no one thought to ask, well, is there actually healthy food that's easily accessible (laughs) and is there a safe place to exercise, right? It sounded good in theory, but no one looked to see if that was actually possible in that community. And so that really began exploration of whether people have easy access. You shouldn't have to drive 12 miles to get a fresh apple. That really is not acceptable yes, in our yes. culture, right? So now, so yes. we began this identifying um, food deserts as communities that need, that do not have and need easy access to healthy foods. And so the idea of a first food desert, the first food being breast milk as the optimal first food for all infants, is a place where a woman cannot access the support she needs to give her baby the best first food possible. And so we've seen communities that don't have a breastfeeding support group, areas where La Leche League is not, you know, active and, 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 and working and viable. We've seen areas where, you know, there's nothing in the community around positive sentiment to support breastfeeding. And so these areas are being explored and identified as first food deserts because really a woman has nothing but her own sheer will and determination to keep her afloat should she choose to breastfeed, and that's not fair to anybody. You know, that reminds me so much. My my father used to say, talk, talk, talk. And it was in 1984 that the first Surgeon General's workshop came out in my hometown of Rochester, New York. And what we saw was that happened in 1984, and then there was sort of this little this little surge of breastfeeding thereafter, and then there was a slump. And I always attributed that to the fact that it was a lot of talk, 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 and it all sounded good, but without the support, it's not going to last. It's just going to be like this little blip. And I Mm -hmm. think that's exactly what you're saying here. Absolutely. And I think what's so important is, you know, I think that we've been extremely successful and talking to women about the why of breastfeeding, why it's important, why it's better for baby, why it's even best for mothers. But we haven't been as successful in showing the how. We haven't showed women how to do it in the context of their actual life. And a modern woman's actual life means she might have to return to work, sometimes, unfortunately, within three weeks, right? The actual life means she needs to go about her business and still be productive. And so when breastfeeding looks like it's something that you can only do if, if you're able to sit at home and behind closed doors and in your living room, then nobody's going to sign up for that. I wouldn't have signed up for it because right. it has right. no connection to my actual life. You know, I see these women with the flowers in the background and their fingernails all done, and I'm thinking to myself, that doesn't sound like me, you know, how can I be like Absolutely. that? So, Absolutely. But that, that being said, Kimberly, before we go to break, tell me then, because I get this out of young women a lot. Well, breastfeeding is a lifestyle choice, and I don't agree with that. Tell me what you think. 
Now, I, I don't agree with that either. Um, breastfeeding is an infant health decision, and it's a really, really important thing. Another thing about the word choice, which is really the language that the infant formula market is really, mm. you know, co-opted uh-huh. and, and, and fed us with, really a choice, <laughs> if you think about true choice, is about two equal options. And formula and breast milk are not two equal options. That's right. not a choice. That's not true choice. So what you have are two options which are not equal. And if you, you know, you, you can opt for the less than optimal one of those two, but that's not really what choice is meant to be about. And so framing uh, how we feed our babies um, in a choice conversation is really just dangerous, and it, it's a tool that's being used against us. And Kimberly, I have seen that over and over throughout my career, that people talk about it as though it was vanilla versus chocolate, mm-hmm. or it, and it's, it's really not. It is simply not that kind of a choice. And no, it's so not I would, at all. Not at all. I would uh, really urge people to rethink that idea of choice because they are not, as you say, equal choices. Wow, this has been a great place to start. And when we come back, I'd like you to talk a little bit more about the African-American community and their needs in particular. For those of you who may have just joined us, I'm Marie Biancuta with Born to be Breastfed. I have with us today my special guest, Kimberly Seals Allers, author of The Mocha Manual. Don't go away. We're going to take a short break. We'll meet you right back here after this short break. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuso, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you, too. Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that, too, through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Nine different energy systems make up the energy body. Energy is all around us and connects us. Energy exerts a major control over our biology and is a big reason why you should be tuning in to energy medicine and optimal health with your host, Dr. Ann Deatley. We'll explore energy balance techniques, tips, and patterns to keep your flow of energy optimal to maintain maximal health. 
By adopting these techniques, you will keep your energy body and physical body in harmony. Listen for Energy Medicine and Optimal Health, Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time, on Voice America Health & Wellness. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuzzo. Thank you so much for joining me today. I have with me my special guest, Kimberly Seals-Allers, author of The Mocha Manual. Now, before we went to break, Kimberly was just telling us some things as related to breastfeeding and culture in general. And in this next segment, what I'd really like her to focus on is supporting African-American families specifically. And Kimberly, one of the things that you've talked about is the importance of early exposure uh, to breastfeeding and uh, family support. I absolutely agree with all that, but it always sounds a little bit daunting to me. So tell me, as a society or as a person or as a nurse or anything else, you know, where do I start to make that happen? Talk to us a little bit about what that means to be supportive to the African-American family who wants to breastfeed. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really a multifaceted approach, and I think that we have an idea in our heads about what support looks like, um, uh-huh. and, so, and so we really have to redefine that. So one of the things that's been really key with African-American families is understanding that extended families are very important and that, you know, we still historically have a very strong matriarchal culture. So grandmothers, older aunties, and things like that play an extremely influential role. So if, again, if we're redefining who is actually doing the breastfeeding, then we need to look at all these people who are in that mother's social support, social circle, whether that includes the father and husband, the grandmother, you know, sisters, aunties, or whatever, and really make some efforts to include those as early as possible. When I was doing some uh, work in the Southeast, we really saw some great programs where they were able to incentivize mothers in the prenatal um, part, in their kind of prenatal class, to bring in someone so that that allowed you know, the nurses and the IBCLCs to meet someone who this woman identified as a, someone in her support circle, whether it was a child's father or her mother or a grandmother, and really talk to them about breastfeeding. And when you're talking about breastfeeding, remember, it's not just the benefits, right? We're talking right. about the how. Right. Have, right. Have, right. have we reached out to that father and to that grandmother to tell them how they can handle human milk because they don't know. And so what happens a lot of times in the families where mothers depend on extended family members for child care and child care support, that grandmother's like, I don't know nothing about no breast milk, right? Right. She, right. I've never right. dealt with it. And so if you want me to help you take care of your child, I'm going to have to do what I know. So if we haven't successfully engage that grandmother or, or father so that they 
feel like they know how they can handle breast milk, not just the benefits of it because it sounds good, but the mother is looking for support and help, then we haven't really successfully done the job of creating that support for her. We've just educated people, and that's two different things. So I, I again, am in total mm-hmm. agreement with that. You know, I have to tell you that sometimes people will say to me, oh, Marie, can you come and do a conference, and will you speak on the benefits of breastfeeding? And I always say no. And they kind of stop dead in their tracks, and I say because... It's it's useless to talk about those benefits unless somebody is actually getting those benefits. Right. And it sounds to me like what you're really trying to drive home here is that it's not enough to talk about the benefits, but it's also not enough to just talk to the individual mother. It's got to be their whole family is on board to actually be helpful in her efforts. Is, is that where you're going with that? Absolutely, absolutely. And that we really have to, again, expand that question of who was actually doing the breastfeeding to include more people. And I think this is particularly true among African-American families. The other thing that's really important with that is um, usually one of the issues is a cultural barrier. We have a lot of myths in our community about breastfeeding. You know, some of the common ones that hurts and some other ones that are probably unique to African-Americans. But the difference is because we have so few women breastfeeding and a, breast, a new mom may, have, may know, not know anyone who's ever done it, there are less opportunities to refute those myths. So those myths, whereas in other communities they can be easily corrected by somebody, they tend to really grow and take on life and whatever. One of the things that was so interesting to me, um, again, when I was doing this work in the Southeast, was something I called the whole whip it out theory. Everybody <laughs> was... They, whip it out. Right. <laughs> There's apparently a legend going around that women are just all over the place whipping out their breasts, I guess, on tables and feeding their children. And I ask people, everyone has this fear, oh, she's just going to whip it out. I'm saying, have you ever seen that? Right. (laughs) But because they've never seen what breastfeeding looks like, they don't know that it can be so discreet that you would never know. But when something has become invisible in a community, you don't have any other point of reference, and so the myth becomes real. It was very real for these people that they would be whipping out their breasts. There's no mention of, you know, not to mention all the, the, the nursing wear that's available and how it can be done. So one of the things that may be key, we work with African-American families, I've been talking about letting, you know, expecting mothers shadow a breastfeeding mother. Let them see what breastfeeding looks like as a woman goes about her day-to-day so she can see how it's done. Because when something has been invisible in a community for so long, that's what happens. The myths can grow and grow and grow. So that's just another example of how, you know, African-American families can be better served with more, you know, with, 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 a, with a deeper touch with the whole idea about what support looks like. So, Kimberly, would it be fair to say that an African-American woman feels, for lack of a better term, isolated in her efforts to breastfeed because maybe her mother didn't do it, maybe her friend didn't do it, whatever? Would, would, isolating, would, would an isolating experience be a reasonable uh, descriptor? Absolutely. And, you know, to be fair, I think motherhood and breastfeeding can be isolating for all women. Sure. But I do also, I think that this is, to your point, particularly acute black women are more likely to be first-generation breastfeeders. Yes. Not having any multi-generational support. Um, They are likely to maybe not have someone who has successfully breastfed in their peer group, you know, or in in their immediate range of friends and things like that. So, again, um, 
unfortunately for all women, it is an isolating experience. But when you add these other layers of cultural barriers, of a family that's not supportive, of communities that where you can't even get support if you wanted to, you can see that it becomes layer after layer after layer of obstacle for many black women. So back to the myths, Kimberly. Uh, one of the things that really kind of stopped me dread, dead in my tracks one day was a woman who said to me, and I quote, breastfeeding is a slave thing. Now, you know mm, that I'm mm-hmm. not going to go there, okay? <laughs> I'm not going to go there. First of all, I'm a white woman. Second of all, I'm old enough to be her mother or possibly her grandmother, and I totally am like, yeah, um, 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 okay, so, um, <laughs> Right. How that is, I, I, I don't know if that's a myth or if it is partial truth, but in any event, I really didn't know how to respond to that. Mm-hmm. So as the nurse, what do I say? Well, first of all, I mean, let's, I, I want to talk a little bit about where that comes from because I hear that yes, a, a lot as well, you know, okay. um, you know. It is of historical record that during slavery, black women were forced to breastfeed the children of the slave owners and, you know, and many times stopped from breastfeeding their own, their own children. Far too many historical accounts of the children of, slave, of slaves dying because not receiving enough of their mother's time and milk um, because she was being forced to breastfeed the children of the slave owner. And we know a market was created for black women as really breeders and feeders, where they were bought and sold on their ability to have children and feed them. Um, wow. So... Um, so again, it is a real thing, and this is why, again, understanding this piece can be really important when talking to that grandmother because she may be a lot more, um, a lot closer to that thinking yes. and that thing, yes. you know, that way of, of, of breastfeeding is not something for us. Breastfeeding is something we did for other people, not for ourselves. So having that awareness is really, really important when talking to some of the older relatives who may be um, connected to the mother. So having said that, you know, I hear that often myself. And, you know, I think the first time I was probably taken aback as you were. But one thing that I'm able to talk to um, when, when that happens, one thing I am able to say is to say, you know, why did that happen? You know, first of all, you have to acknowledge that it was tragic and no one, no one can understand what that experience could have been like. You know, we know that breastfeeding is not about food. It's also about nurturing, and to have women who were forced to transfer nurturance to another person that was not their child, we can't even imagine what that experience was like, right? So we fully acknowledge that that is a very terrible part of our history. But we also know that there was a reason why that happened, because the slave owners themselves recognized the value of breast milk. Now, whether they felt that their own wives were too whatever the idea was to, to, to feed their children themselves, they saw the value in the breast milk. So, and, and they used their access to labor to give that to their children. And so I try to redirect the conversation at the value of the milk that was being provided. Yes. Yes. And, um, and to fully acknowledge that experience. The other thing about that, and, you know, that's really important about these conversations I'm able to have is 
this is the value of cultural competency. I do a lot of workshops around the country really trying to help healthcare professionals, lactation consultants really understand some of these cultural nuances because it allows you to now have a respectful conversation because what could have been a stop, slavery, there are a bunch of them <laughs> that yes, I have heard, yes. you know, but it allows you to continue the conversation. And this is why, one, increasing uh, diversity among IBCLCs and other people who deal with mothers in this capacity is so critical to helping reducing racial disparities in breastfeeding rates and also the cultural competency piece for those who, you know, are not of color but are in the field doing this work that they love and are passionate about. But Kimberly, really, it doesn't matter whether I'm the nurse or whether I'm her grandmother. The fact of the matter is the message is still the same, which is there was among those people an acknowledgement that, in fact, human milk was superior. And so that's really the message that you're suggesting we drive home, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Okay. Well, we're walking right up to a break for now. And this is Kimberly Seals Allers that I have with me today. And on the other side of the break, I'm going to be taking callers. If you'd like to have a question for Kimberly, it's 866-472-5792. We'll be right back after this short break. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuso, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you too. Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that too through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. 
You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm here today with Kimberly Seals-Allers, author of The Mocha Manual. We have some callers that are standing by waiting. And the first caller that I would like to welcome is Jarrell, who is from Pennsylvania. Hello, Jarrell. Hi, how are you, Maria? Oh, fine, thank you. Thank you for calling Born to be Breastfed. Hi, and Hi, how are you, Kimberly? Good, how good. are you feeling? Good. good, thank you. Tell us your question for Kimberly. Well, um, I am a registered nurse uh, at an inner city hospital, um, two actually, and um, en route to obtaining my um, IBCLC. Congratulations. Thank you. And I have been focusing on um, breastfeeding. I am a maternal child nurse. um, And through my bachelor's degree, I've been focusing on breastfeeding in the African-American community and the disparity that we have compared to other races that really breastfeed their children. I'm going to step out on faith and want to start my own lactation consulting business. But what can I do in the African-American community specifically to get uh, more of us to breastfeed, to give them the support they need, um, and to figure out why, you know, I'm, I'm listening to your show, and, and these are great um, questions that Maria has given you into and, and why we don't breastfeed and things like that. But what can I do? Because I have other friends who are African-American and we're nurses and we have our lactation consultant um, licenses, but we want to learn more about mm-hmm. what we can do to reach out into the community to help our people to breastfeed more. And so let me ask you a few questions. Are you yes. touching women? Are you in contact with women prenatally? We are not. We we are more in contact with women uh Postpartum wise, postpartum. after okay. they have their babies, we're there. Okay, we're there got it. Them latch their babies on, so we don't see the before side of it, and we know that there is a detriment in the offices because, you know, the first question that we ask them is, "Do you want a breast or bottle?" And that's the first time that they sometimes encounter that. Yes, like that's very true. Never One of the things that I yes. Mm-hmm. I was going to say one of the things that's been really key in the community is really trying to, and this is a big focus of my work as well, to reach women even before prenatally, right? I'm not, I feel mm-hmm. like people are making decisions about breastfeeding that probably have something else to do with how they feel about themselves or, you know, other, mm-hmm. other cultural influence that by the time they get to the hospital, it's too late. So right. one of the things that has been really important is working with faith, faith-based organizations. I mean, churches, the women's ministry, really great okay. opportunities for you guys to go there and ask to do a presentation at the next Women's Day or the Health Day or something, just to make sure that breastfeeding is integrated into the conversation. Okay. Um, and okay. I talk about everything about breastfeeding. I mean, if there's something going on around breast cancer reduction, I'm like, y'all should be talking about breastfeeding. 
<laughs> people are talking exactly. about early childhood exactly. outcomes. Very important conversation in this country. I'm like, well, if we need to improve early childhood outcomes educationally, we need those children in school and not out on lots of sick days. So let's talk about breastfeeding so that our preschoolers can be in school more often and less out for asthma and all those other things. So, again, how can we in our community insert ourselves into other conversations, you know? And so I think the church is a great place to start to just get women talking. And really the more, the best thing you can do is just get the conversation going. I mean, I feel like that has been my most important job is to okay. start conversations because we know that we're not even talking about it. You know, people are like, ooh, that's nasty. You know, we really right. just have to make it make it normal and talk about it, joke about it, um, mm-hmm. and really include that. I know I, I did a piece today about Phaedra on the Real Housewives of Atlanta pumping and what that yes. means for black women. Let's just use every opportunity in our community to make breastfeeding part of the conversation. I think that would be a phenomenal place to start. Okay, good. Kimberly, as I understand it, um, and, and trust me, I've been in Jarrell's shoes. I know what it's like that once they're delivered, you you don't want to say, oh, well, forget it, I can't help. You want to do whatever you can to help. You, you never want to say it's too late, but certainly mm-hmm. I would agree with you that earlier is much more effective. But what I think mm-hmm. I hear you saying to Jarrell is, look at the things that you are doing outside of the normal course of your 40-hour-a-week job. Look mm-hmm. at what other organizations you belong to. Start that conversation in a place that, in fact, might, might be bigger than just your workplace. Is that what you're saying? Um, that's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. And by yes. using those networks, whether they're sororities, churches, whatever, just to get those conversations going, that can be extremely impactful because now we're not just talking to mothers, we're talking to all women, and we know that all women, you know, even if I'm not expecting now, I have a girlfriend who is, I have a niece, I have an aunt, you know what I'm saying? And so we're really affecting the community of support when we have these conversations. I prefer conversations beyond mothers. Obviously, fathers are big, anything for fathers. I'm always trying to be there talking about how we feed our babies um, and then just trying to do that wherever you, you happen to be in your outside of your work. It, it reminds me of how I always used to say that my mother, until almost her 90th year, could start a conversation with breastfeeding about any young woman stand, with any young woman standing in the grocery store line. You know, she just really could always find that opportunity. And I would agree that is a huge, huge piece. Jarrell, thank you so much for your question for Kimberly. I think we all learned something for that, from that. Thank you so much for joining us today. Our next guest. Thank you, Kimberly. Thank you. Good luck. All righty. Thanks. Our next caller is Shamay, who is from North Carolina. Shamay, thank you and uh, welcome to the show. Tell us your question for Kimberly. Shamay, did we lose you? Oh, there she is. Oh, there she is. I'm here. Hey. Um, I just became an IBCLC, and uh-huh. um, I was wondering, how do I get started on a path um, to possibly uh, have a club or something for women of color? <laughs> um, there are none here in the area that I'm in, and um, I definitely wanted to start, you know, trying to help women of color get more into breastfeeding. Yeah, um, I love that you know. idea. Thank you so much for thinking about that. There's an amazing... Um, 
resource for you. And it's, it's called the Black Mothers Breastfeeding Association. The woman who runs it, is, uh, her name is Kirada Green. Green yeah. And um, oh, I'm trying to think of their website, but BIMFA, BM, Black Mothers Breastfeeding Association, BMBFA. And they're based in Detroit, but they are really um, leading, leading the, the way with creating models for breastfeeding clubs for black women. Okay. And I would strongly encourage you to um, reach out via their website. I know that Kirada is going to be uh, is working on a curriculum and really helping to kind of use the model that she's created so successfully in Detroit um, and throughout Michigan to really help nationwide for people who want to start clubs that are just for black women. And, and that's just because of the, the, you know, the unique nuances to yeah. our experience, not that they exclude others. Um, so, so yeah, that, that would be great. I, I would think that would be a great resource to get started. But please look into the Black Mothers Breastfeeding Association based in well. Detroit. Founder is Kidada Green. And look at some of their models, and I'll be happy to um, connect you. Thank if you, you, uh, you know, as things uh-huh. move forward for you when you're ready. Okay, because I know as, you know, women are discharged from the hospital, they don't know, you know, possibly about, like, right. the lecture league, and um, they may feel that a lactation consultant is too expensive for them to see mm-hmm. on an outpatient basis. So, you know, at least I agree. To offer some community-based support, you know, to get them and keep them going. Absolutely. I would also say that there are some women who La Leche League just doesn't appeal to them. Mm-hmm. I remember years ago sending a friend of mine, and she came back and she said, "Are you kidding me? You know, they were they had these kids who were blah blah blah." And I said, "Look, at you don't have to do everything exactly like." you saw you take the message that's useful to you and you move on mm-hmm. but but nonetheless it's not for everybody and i think it's really great that there is an alternative and it sounds to me like kidata has established this but not just for the detroit area it is national and i'm reading that correctly that is absolutely correct yeah yeah, so that means in all 50 states, uh, contact Kidata's organization and find out how to do it, whether you're in North Carolina or where you are. And also, I just have to say, uh, thank you so much, Shame, for bringing that up. And also, would you do just one small thing for me? Sure. Um, I am going to be giving a free webinar on how to become an IBCLC. And I'm also giving another one, it's a different one, two separate free webinars on how to pass the IBLCE exam the first time. And if you would just uh, let your friends know if they might be going for the credential, I will be offering those once or twice a month, depending on what month it is. So let them know it's free. All they've got to do is come to my website, and that's my professional website. It's www.breastfeedingoutlook.com. Yes. And um, all they got to do is be the, uh, we, we can only take 25 people at a time, but they're absolutely welcome to sign up and we would love that. Okay. Wow, it's so great to have all of these women who are so well involved. Thank you so it much. Is, it is. And thank, thank you, you so much for the work that you're doing. Keep it up, please. Thank Amen. You. Amen mm-hmm. to that. Wow, this has been such a I'm sorry. This has been such a great, great conversation. So tell you what, uh, we are finished with callers for now. And uh, when we come back, Kimberly and I will just be wrapping up. So don't go away. We will be right back. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm here with Kimberly Seals-Allers. 
we'll be wrapping up on the other side of the break for breastfeeding out. Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> for born to be breastfed.com. Thank you so much. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuso, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you, too. Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that, too, through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Born to Be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm here today with my special guest, Kimberly Seals Allers. And she is the author of the Mocha Manual. I'd just like to say she is also the author of a book that will be coming out at the end of this year. So if you already own the Mocha Manual, good for you. And if you want more and more and more of Kimberly Seals Allers, trust me, there is more to come. I loved what she said in somewhere in one of the segments here in this past hour, where she talked about the fact that it is not an equal choice. It's not chocolate ice cream versus vanilla ice cream. It's not green beans versus broccoli. It's really something very, very different. And so, uh, Kimberly, when you stop to think about all of the things that you have seen over your career, you talked very eloquently to uh, what we can do. What do you see as a huge challenge for somebody like me? I'm 
not African-American. I'm not their peer. I'm really, I'm in a very different league. And there are many, many other women just like me. I'm thinking, for example, of a woman who, uh, well, very few women. But sometimes I've gotten one who comes to my course, either my comprehensive course or my review course, and they've kind of taken me aside, you know, at the break and said, ooh, I feel like I'm the only African-American woman in here. I feel really strange. Um, Is this, like, normal or is it just in this particular city, and this city might be Dallas or Chicago or or wherever it is. But, you know, I'm thinking this is more for me, it's more than just at the patient level. It's also at the professional level where the women who are there to promote breastfeeding, they feel isolated, certainly. Mm -hmm. I, I don't really know what to do with this. I I kind of don't want to say, well, yeah, pretty much uh, if I have one African-American woman per city, that's huge. You know, sometimes I have zero. If I have one, that that's that's big, you know. <laughs> right, right. Well, I what? think that what, what we're seeing is, and, you know, if I think about this, the breastfeeding movement itself really reflects the same disparity we see in, in the women that we seek to serve, right? So there's a big racial disparity in the breastfeeding movement in terms of lactation consultants, even nurses, whatever, those healthcare professionals who we, we consider can lead the charge around breastfeeding messaging, right? Lead so the in charge. That field, that's, yes, that's what I'm looking for is how do we get more of these people to lead the charge and go ahead. I'm sorry, I interrupted, but I really like that. Lead the charge. That's what I'm looking for. Right. So, so, so we see that, you know, it's actually a reflection of the same disparities that we're seeing amongst the mothers that we serve. There's a racial disparity in breastfeeding rates where African Americans are underrepresented as breastfeeding mothers. And there's a racial disparity in the breastfeeding movement and those that we want to lead the charge around messaging because African American women are underrepresented in those fields and those in those industries and fields and so what we really this is why increasing diversity among lactation consultants and you know that field is so so critical to to reducing this racial disparity because you know that is really important specifically to the point that you raise i know that feeling myself i have been there <laughs> where i am leading a workshop and there is one african american woman i know she's happy to see me and i'm happy to see her <laughs> And, you know, and she pulls me to the side and, just, and she says, I'm so happy to see you. And so what I would offer to you is that, you know, if that woman has felt enough, comfortable enough with you, and kudos to you for, one, acknowledging that this is something that, you know, could be addressed but not being sure how and that they feel comfortable enough to express that to you, that says a lot about your demeanor and, and, and your approachableness. And so if she has said that to you, what I try to do for these women is, let them be acknowledged for what they are, a true resource in the room. Because that woman, that black woman, has a cultural understanding, a, 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 a certain skill set that the other women in the room most likely don't have. And instead of singling her out, you're the only black person here, which of course right. is obvious. Because I'm think, trying you know, to avoid trying, that. Right, trying, trying to avoid the obvious. She knows she's the only black person there. <laughs> it's obvious to everybody else she's the only black person there. So trying to ignore that is really just a moot point. So instead, what is the value that she brings to that? And so I try to transform the experience for her, for when one not being comfortable, but for her to feel empowered that she has a skill set and something to add to the conversation that other women don't, right? And so now I'm giving her 
an empowered position to view from where she sits. And so oftentimes that can really help. And also to understand that as a, as a, you know, she's experiencing what our mothers experience. When black mothers say to me, breastfeeding is for white people, and I go to speak into a room and I'm the only black person there and I'm on stage, I can't really prove them wrong with a picture of that room. Right. And right. so right. we have to change how we look ourselves so that we can help diffuse some of these myths. And so the power of that woman to help change that conversation, to be that one more black woman who is breastfeeding, talking about breastfeeding, encouraging breastfeeding, to change that narrative that black women don't breastfeed, to change that narrative that breastfeeding is for white people. She's extremely powerful. And when we can acknowledge her power in that room, she's got a whole new role. And so really then as the instructor in that course, my job is to help her not feel different, but to recognize that her difference actually brings something special to all of us. And I would just add to that that your role, I mean, not to make her she is different. No one can deny that, right? So there's okay. no, we're, okay. we're not trying to be what we can't be. There is nothing okay. that can make me not different. But what does that, yes, I am different, but being different means I have a special um, contribution to bring to this conversation, right? That difference makes me unique in a way, and I have something to share. I have a knowledge. I have a cultural understanding. I have uh, uh, something that the whole room can benefit from. Right. And so, you know, I think that as a culture, we don't want to say, oh, everybody's different. No. I mean, it's quite obvious, <laughs> you right, know, and, right. and, and, and trying to deny the obvious is not going to work regardless. But to show that being different has a power and, and that she has something to bring to the room can change that experience of being different for that person. Ooh, I'm liking that. Being different has a power. I'm liking mm-hmm. that a lot. So tell me this. I don't know, and, and I'm always very interested that you use the terms African-American and blacks interchangeably, um, but let me ask you this. What uh, have, have you heard, and I'm not necessarily saying that this is a black or African-American thing, but how... Th- how do you deal with it when somebody says to you, I want that formula that has the breast milk in it? Oh, yes. No, <laughs> if, I, if I had a dollar for every email I received that says, <laughs> what's the name of the formula with the breast milk in it? Yeah. You know, I'd be a very wealthy woman. And so it's very sad because this just proves the impact that the infant formula marketers have had on confusing women. And that's why they think that that they're in a choice conversation because oh. the infant formula marketers have told them that formula is just as good as breast milk. And so they've come up with all these ways to talk about DHA and all these other things yep. that they're going to put into it, everything to simulate mother's milk. And I'm saying if you want mother's milk that, that badly, give your baby mother's milk. <laughs> yes. So, yes. again, it's, it's really indicative of the successful, unfortunately for women, marketing for infant formulas who have confused mothers. And we know that confusion is a, a great place to be for people who have a profit motive from how we feed our babies. That's exactly where they want us to be, confused. And one thing that's been interesting to me, I'm working on this research for my next book that's coming out, and if you look at the parallels between what the infant formula marketers have been doing in terms of marketing, it is the same as the tobacco companies and how they try to create doubt 
around whether smoking would kill us or not. And if you look at the ways that they have questioned science, if you look at the ways that informal markets have created their own research, these are all the same tactics that tobacco companies used just to convince us or to create the doubt that cigarette smoking would kill us. So it's very insidious, and it's so more reprehensible because it it is our babies who pay the price. But we as mothers have to really get smarter and not just be in this it's a choice conversation and start thinking about who told us that, right? Who is telling us it's a choice when we know that we don't have two equal options? And that includes everything from informal marketing to demanding better maternity leave from our government. So there's so much that we can do but instead of we, we're just fighting about choice, and that's exactly where the people who make money, billions of dollars off of giving our babies formula, want us to be. And so I'm hoping that we can elevate this conversation um, and, and you know, really redefine our, our, our motherhood experience so that more women aren't let down. We have only... Uh a couple of short minutes left. I know, Kimberly, that people are not going to be able to get enough of what you have to say. Tell us, uh, what is your website? And tell us how you would like to be reached on Twitter or however you'd like. What's the best way to reach you? How can people find more of you so that they can keep up with what you're doing in your new book and more? Yes, thank you so much. Uh, the best way to keep up with me is definitely on Twitter at I M K Seals Allers. That's I A M K S E A L S A L L E R S. Um, and then, if you're looking for the African American information, we do that at MochaManual.com and at Black Breastfeeding 360. And um, you know, it's really great to have this conversation that I would really love to keep going. So I encourage people: let's keep talking about it. You know. Feel free to disagree with me. I love that too. <laughs> you know, let's let's just let's just keep the but keep conversation the conversation going. going. Absolutely. Yes. Oh. Terrific. Kimberly, thank you so much. You have been a very interesting and informative guest. That's all the time that we have today. I would like to thank Kimberly Seals Allers of the Mocha Manual, and I would especially like to thank all of you for listening to Born to be Breastfed. I would encourage you, please, make sure that you join us next week. I have a very special guest that I'm not even going to tell you who it is because we haven't quite got her lined up exactly, but we think we've got a really exciting guest as well for next week. If you've enjoyed Kimberly, I know you're going to enjoy this next person as well. And if not, hey, you could always just have me and I'm not so bad myself. Congratulations again to Sarah Wells Bags contest winner, Rosa Bazzani. Thank you everyone for joining us tonight. It's been a real pleasure. I would just like to say we will be back Monday, every Monday, whatever's on your mind. Uh, I'm your source for evidence-based practice and education on the web and sometimes in your city. Again, we're at borntobebreastfed.com. I'm Marie Biancuzzo. I promise I'll help you to cut through the myths, clarify the facts about breastfeeding next Monday, same time, same channel. In the meanwhile, just remember, your baby was born to be breastfed. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuzo next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do its best for you and your baby. 